to St. John's Sermons, a podcast from St. John's Lutheran Church, North Prairie, Wisconsin, a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We offer this podcast with the loving encouragement to use it as a supplement to your own regular reception of the Lord's gifts of forgiveness and life in word and sacrament on the Lord's day. The Lord bless your hearing of these sermons. God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text is the Holy Gospel. Dear friends in Christ, here is the word. Conflict. There sure is a lot of it in the world today, isn't there? There sure is a lot of it in our nation today. There sure is a lot of it in our lives today. And indeed, there sure is a lot of it in the church, too. It's kind of funny. Whenever I talk with people about conflict, I'm never sure if they're surprised by it or not surprised by it. There's a way in which living long enough and as conflicted a world as the one in which we currently live, you get a little numb to it after a while. You just sort of, oh yeah, that's what they do out there in the Middle East. Oh yeah, that's what they do over there in D.C. Oh yeah, that's what they do over in my cousin's house. I think it's always surprising to mention conflict in a Christian context, though, that there is so much in the church. Our district president, John Willie, confessed to me one time that 85% of the work that he does as our district president, our bishop, I guess you could say, is work out conflict in congregations. Wow. That's just a lot. You know, you have to be a special person to do that job if you can manage that much conflict all the time. 85% of what he does. It often surprises us. It surprises us that there should be that sort of problem also in the church. And yet, take a look at our text. That's where the conflict is in our gospel text. It's there among the disciples. Before we contemplate how that happened, we've got to contemplate how conflict happens in general. It's been said, put two people in a room, and you're going to potentially have conflict. There's some cynicism out there about marriage these days, and how uh, you know, if everybody wants to be married, regardless of their orientation, let everybody be as miserable as we are. You know? that's, the, that's the sort of joke that flies around. It's a little cynical. Not necessarily true and not a good view of marriage, but the fact of the matter is it happens in families for a reason. Marriages are one flesh until both of those parties start to establish sometimes some individuality, and then all of a sudden some conflict starts to arise, and it happens in every marriage, even good marriages. There's going to be at least low-level conflict. Because, again, when you put two humans together, you're going to potentially get conflict. Because, this is where the connection comes back to our text, humans are very good at putting their own 
concerns first. And we're also very good at being right about it, right? (laughs) We're always right. And this is why conflict happens. James and John approach Jesus with this interesting request. Grant that one of us might sit on your left and on your right in your kingdom. Now, before you contemplate the act of two brothers who seem to be on the same page, you might want to consider whether these two brothers are competing just a little bit. Because in the ancient world, you didn't really want to be on a left-hand side. You know what the Latin, I've told you this before, the Latin term for left-handed? Left-handed? Sinister. Which, yeah, translates into English, sinister. To be left-handed in the ancient world was to be sinister. So, imagine, if you will, James and John having a conversation before they come to Jesus, saying, you know what, if we came to Jesus and asked that one of us sit at your right and one at your left, who do you think is going to win? Because there is definitely a winner in that that decision. He who sits on the right hand of Jesus is the winner. (laughs) This is why it says in the scriptures that Jesus ascended and sat at the right hand of God. Conflict. Even the brothers are at it. This is not uh, an all things are equal decision. If Jesus makes this decision in favor of them, it's still not all things equal. And James and John might have gotten it into their heads that they could do this because they were part of the inner circle. Clearly Jesus had created a little bit of a subdivision in the twelve. Peter, James, and John, they're the inner circle. They're the ones who get to see the transfiguration. None of the others get to see it. There's something special about Peter, James, and John. Especially something special about Peter. Jesus has a tendency to speak right through Peter. (laughs) He'll talk to Peter, and you sort of know he's talking to the twelve. Some of you, when you've talked with me about preaching, I've made a confession to you. I'll repeat the confession publicly. I have not done this in a long time, so don't worry. The confession is that sometimes when I'm thinking about a sermon, I will think about one person in this congregation. And I'll just say, you know what? If I get through to that person, I'm probably going to get through to everybody. Now, that's not judging you. That's loving you, by the way. If you're that one person, that's me sort of saying, you know what? I got a feeling I know what's going on in your life right now, and I want this gospel to sing for you. And I know if I can get it to sing for you, it's probably going to sing for at least 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 more people in the room. It's not a bad strategy sometimes for a preacher to take. I haven't done it in a long time, so rest assured, I don't do this to any one of you every week. (laughs) And understand, too, that an important part of sermon preparation is looking at myself. Looking at all those times that this text revealed that Dan Torkelson who put his own needs above somebody else's and created conflict. And he's done it, as surely as I know every one of you has. Conflict. There sure is a lot of it in the world today. 
And when we're surprised by it or not surprised by it, it really does involve taking the time in our own lives to look inward and see in our own hearts when we've played this game. But the conflict then spreads to all the disciples. And that's why I say, you've got to look at this text as conflict in the church, especially because the, the other ten hear about this request, and they're not thinking right left at all. They're just thinking, hey, these guys are out, the, you know, they're, they're out for themselves. And they become, the word is indignant, nice technical term for angry, at James and John. And then you have your conflict. Right there in Jesus' true inner circle of 12 disciples. 12 men who are going to become apostles who he's going to send out after his resurrection. And he's going to found and build the church on these guys. And sometimes they just look like a bunch of yo-hos. Chief of sinners, though I be. Haven't we all? I have good news for you today. When we're all gathered here together in this holy house on Sunday morning, all those yo-ho moments don't matter anymore. James and John came to Jesus with a bit of a yo-ho request. It was a silly little exercise, probably between the two of them, to see who would wind up on the right hand. And Jesus doesn't call them silly. He doesn't, doesn't run them down. But he seizes the teachable moment and reminds us that in the Christian church, where Christ is first and foremost, his example is the one to follow. His example is the one that, uh, that's so surprising. He is a king who doesn't act like it when he's here on earth. In a week, we're going to celebrate his entry into Jerusalem. And that's the beginning of a just profound week of ministry that Jesus is going to do in Jerusalem for four days. And he's going to get crucified for it because people who loved conflict more than the resolution of conflict and reconciliation and salvation put him on a cross for doing this. But he goes into Jerusalem sort of like a king... But what a strange kingdom. Not riding a powerful steed, but a humble donkey. And people receive him coming in like they would receive a king. But then the ministry is all about teaching and healings. And it's all about getting the message that people need the most to them. And what we often think we need the most is our way, right here, right now. And Jesus says, no. And this is actually going on in this conversation. In Holy Week, he says to two disciples and then to the twelve, that's not how we play things. That's not how it works. Whoever would be first must become last, slave, servant of all. And Jesus will put his money where his mouth is for them. He'll go to a cross. He'll take the mock king language. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. He'll wear the purple robe and take the insults. And he'll wear the crown of thorns and bleed the blood. He'll do that, which makes him the most extraordinary king who ever walked the face of the earth. You see, conflict is fundamentally about power. And 
Jesus does not exercise power when he goes to his cross and he dies for them. For all the times that we've tried to exercise power over one another, and for all those times when we kick the first commandment out, which we do every time we sin, and sort of exercise power over God and say, you know, I know how you want me to live my life, God, but this time I'm taking the reins. This time I'm in control. This time I'm doing it. I'm doing what I want to do. In spite of all those times, Jesus still loved his disciples enough to patiently teach them, patiently endure the scourging, patiently endure the insults, patiently endure the cross, patiently give up his life for them. You know, it's a pretty profound um, uh, contrast that we see between last week and this week. You know, last week I'm bouncing up and down because, hey, it's the fourth Sunday in Lent, and the fourth Sunday in Lent has got that theme of rejoice, and we get a little breather from Lent, and then the fifth Sunday in Lent comes and hits you. Conflict. Bang. As we get closer and closer to Jesus' cross, we're going to come to appreciate the sources of that conflict more and more. When there's conflict between two people, someone has to lose. You ever notice that? Someone, that would mean someone has to win. Jesus loses. But you win. Because he did what he did. You get salvation. You get life. And when, with that, you have everything. What, what is there that you need to create conflict for in a person's life? This past week, I was hearing a lot of talk in the, the news world about the, uh, the letter that went to Iran and whether or not there was a treasonous act. And it kind of struck me that uh, there was a lot of talk about 1939 and Neville Chamberlain. And I've used Chamberlain as an example before. It's very interesting how Chamberlain's mistake created World War II. He appeased Hitler. He tried not to have conflict. And as Christians, that's a good approach to take, but it wasn't going to work in 1939 because of sinful desires on parts of other people. But you need to know something. All that conflict you see out there in the world is all about power and lording it over others. And we as Christians don't condone that. You need to know something too. All that conflict you see in D.C. is all about power and lording it over others. And we as Christians don't live that way. And all that conflict that you might see in your families or in your friendships or in your relationships at work or, or anywhere is all about power. And we as Christians don't live that way. Because Jesus didn't live that way. And if he had, you would not be saved. And neither would I. And if you think that that doesn't work, just remember that Christianity conquered the Roman Empire. It took them 350, 400 years. But they did it with essentially without firing a shot. But it is a matter of being patient, is it not? Learning to deal patiently with one another when those conflicts are tempting to are, are, are approaching us, just like Jesus did with his disciples in our text today. 
and being willing to lay down our needs and our lives for the neighbor. Because Jesus did that for us. The good news here is that the forgiveness of sins God has freed you from all those things. All those things that we so want to protect that causes us to try to play the power games we play. And he's demonstrated a new way to live. A new way to think. The difference. Go anywhere else in the world or anywhere else in the, the pantheon of world religions and you will not find this. You will not find a God who gave it up for you. As a closing exercise, I'd like you to think about one conflict in your own life. And I'd like you to think about what might happen in that conflict if you lay down your rights. Even if you are technically right, has your rightness become an idol or a god? I think James and John thought they were right. They thought, we're pretty important. We probably can get this. Jesus sort of dealt with them patiently, but didn't grant them anything. Laying down our rightness sometimes wins the day. Because in the patience that has to ensue, even though you know you're right, <laughs> pastors and congregations, there are times when pastors know that a congregation is about to make a really bad decision. And what do we have to do? We have to be patient. We have to wait. A lot of pastors aren't. And sometimes I'm not either. But I'll be honest with you. That's the way it is in life as well. Jesus dealt with us patiently. He didn't create conflict. It was those who didn't want to hear it who created the conflict. He resolved it. Forgave the sin. Granted you new life and eternal life. And whatever conflicts you might have now, throw Jesus at it. Because whatever Jesus came, whatever Jesus has given you, you have the privilege now to give out to others. Conflict. There's so much of it in the world today. It's such a shame. For you and I, it doesn't need to be. Until we get to heaven where there will be no conflict at all, God be praised that God has given us the ticket to that, to resolving it, and to a peaceful eternal life as well. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. This podcast is a service of St. John's Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. For more information, including locations, service times, and links to other Lutheran agencies, please visit our website at www.stjohnsnp.org. That's www.stjohnsnp.org. Theme music performed by Mr. Philip Magnus.